Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hey, everyone. I'm Julie Gunlock, Program Director at the Independent Women's Forum and your host for today's Working for Women podcast. Today, we're going to talk to Kristen Shapiro. Kristen is a visiting fellow at IWF. She's a, uh, an amazing rising star, um, has, has pr- produced an amazing proposal for paid leave, uh, which hopefully we can, we can just get a plug in, uh, Kristen, at the end here. Um, but really uh, an amazing, uh, innovative thinker um, here at IWF and thrilled to have her. Kristen received her law degree from Northwestern, and she's clerked for the Ninth Circuit. She's also worked at a D.C. law firm where she's litigated numerous cases and holy cow, cases before the U.S. Supreme Court and other federal courts of appeals and district courts. So in short, Kristen is a lot smarter than me. Um, so I'm excited to, to talk to her today about an opinion piece, okay, interestingly, written not by her, but by her husband, Ilya Shapiro, another super smart guy at the Cato, uh, the Cato Institute. Um, and, uh, and, and he wrote this really interesting piece about, um, for the Federalist, about new regulations being proposed in Virginia uh, for daycares and preschools. So, first of all, thanks for joining us, Kristen. My pleasure, and definitely not smarter than you. Anyone who goes to law school, you can assume, is not smarter than you. But thank you so much for having me on the podcast to discuss this issue, which hits pretty close to home for our family. Absolutely. You just had a baby, like, what, three or four months ago, right? Uh, Five months old. And But, you know, this one actually, you know, this issue, so that relates to the paid leave issue, which we could discuss later. But um, our two-and-a-half-year-old is about to start what's called a cooperative preschool uh, in September. Cooperative preschools provide some background for everyone. Uh, Are basically preschools where um, half the staff, you know, is professional, but then half of the people are parent volunteers. Parent volunteers, they uh, right. volunteer in the classroom. Um, and then they also help run the school. So the parent, you know, my son will be in a classroom of eight kids and all of the parents of those eight kids or, a, you know, a, a grandparent or whoever um, will take sure. turns volunteering in the preschool. And so that cuts the cost of the school. Um, you know, we pay an amazing, uh, I think it'll be about $120 a month for our son's preschool. So it makes it affordable for low-income families, uh, assuming, you know, that they can volunteer in the classroom. Um, yeah. It's a great way for parents to be involved. Uh, it, and, you know, and, and just and just, just to quickly interrupt, we, in Northern Virginia, the, the cost of living is extremely high. And, and to find a, a daycare like this, a preschool like this, where there's some community involvement, there's more par- parental involvement, I mean, what a blessing because, you know, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't involved in a co-op. My kids are a little bit older now and we were not involved in a co-op. And for years we struggled terribly. We never took a vacation. We never went out to eat. We never had any babysitters. It was a real struggle. And I, you know, I know I'm talking about first world problems here, but it was a real struggle. So to save money in this way on childcare and to give a little bit of your time is a huge benefit. Absolutely. I mean, as I said, our the cost of our co-op preschool is um, almost ridiculously low, and other co-ops, yeah. you know, you save money by 
having the parents volunteer and providing that extra adult in the classroom. Um, and, yeah. and so, you know, at least our preschool, the next uh, least expensive preschool option we had would cost uh, over double the cost of our co-op. Preschool. Wow. And so that's, you know, it's a lot for me and my husband and we have, you know, very, pretty well-paying jobs in the grand scheme of things. I can't imagine what it's like for a lower income family. Um, so uh, I don't want to jump the gun, but um, you know, the, the re- issue that has come up is, you know, currently in Virginia, um, the, there's, there are various requirements, you know, preschools, it's not just preschools, it's, you know, daycares, et cetera. Um, any, any sort of childcare center is, is regulated and there are a lot of regulations, but for, for co-op, co-oping parents currently, you need four hours of training per year. Uh, you also need to pass a tuberculosis test and a pretty intense background check. Um, but the Virginia right. Department of Social Services is proposing to increase the training that's required to 36 hours the first year, oh my plus CPR certification, and 20 hours per year after that. Uh, and to put this in perspective, I will volunteer in the classroom about three hours a month. Uh, and so it's basically an hour of training per hour of volunteering in the classroom. And I can't imagine what it's going to be like. I mean, even if I'm able to do this, take a week off of work, essentially, for this oh, training, I can't, you know, we will be trying to recruit, you know, the next generation of parents next year. And if I have to, you know, whoever is in charge of the admissions committee has to stand up on, you know, our open house day and say, oh, be it to volunteer. You have to get training yeah. for 36 hours before you could step foot in the classroom. How many parents are going to take that deal? And so there are about 40 cooperative preschools right now in Virginia. And, um, and I think there are many who are very afraid that this is going to close uh, a substantial number of them if these regulations are passed. This is so unfortunate. It really is. And we've seen we've start, seen this train sort of rolling on. In D.C., I think two or maybe a year ago or two years ago, they passed a regulation where you had to have a college degree to work in a daycare center. Do you remember this? Yes, absolutely. And um, I know that that can, you know, make, you know, working in a daycare center is something a lot of um, women who don't tend to have a lot of education um, you know, right. it's, a, it's a job that's open to them that is now being closed, and it's very difficult for them to back, well, know, and, pay for and they, higher education and have the time to do it. Yes, and it's not just women who who don't necessarily have a college education. It's women who actually are, uh, you know, they, they might have a high school degree. They, they m- might be a single mother, but they take a daycare job in order to provide for their own children. So they might enroll their own children in that same daycare. And now, if they don't have the training, they can't work there, so they can't get the benefits of putting their own, enrolling their own children. It's an absolutely insane regulation. My mother, um, who uh, you know, uh, was in her, you know, her entire adult life was sort of a stay-at-home mom, and at, at one point, I mean, she was in her 50s. She thought, you know what, I, I could, I could really give something back to the community. I could work in a daycare center. She loved kids empty nester, didn't really need any extra money, so didn't care about the low pay. And she worked in a daycare center, and she was the favorite, of course. She used to sit in a rocking chair and rock the kids. They just wanted to be hugged and snuggled, and she was this perfect grandmother. And I think about that. Nowadays, my mother does not have a college education. She would never be hired. And I'm again, for three years, my mother worked in, in this capacity and was 
the favorite staffer. The kids would line up. There were lines to be rocked by my mother, and she would sing them little songs. <laughs> and, you know, it, this, is, this is not a job requiring high skill, and, and, but it's, it's requiring uh, an ability to nurture and be kind and be sweet. And it's so sad to think of people like my mother who could never apply, who could never qualify because of these, uh, let's face it, these are sort of these elitist kind of um, and overprotective regulations that are coming out. Yeah, so, and especially speaking to the overprotective nature of that, um, you know, these regulations, my understanding is, is that they were um, sparked by a concern with, um, full, you know, as opposed to preschool, you know, daycare of, you know, young babies, uh, uh, um, un- very unfortunate um, deaths in daycare in Virginia. Right. And so you understand why some legislators right. uh, may want to, you know, take action on that. But, um, you know, yeah. my, my preschool, it's kids that are two years and older. It's not, a, yeah. it's not a daycare, though. They're there for two, two days a week. Uh, it starts at two years old for just half days. Um, but yet, yeah. the required training, there's a complete disconnect. Like, I, um, if these regulations pass, I will be required to take training on shaken baby syndrome, even though there are no babies oh. at the daycare, and safe sleep, even though there are no naps at the daycare. Um, yeah. And speaking yeah. to kind of the, also the disconnect between how this could drive out and actually, you know, in terms of the example with your mother, how she was a wonderful daycare worker, the kind, precisely the sort of person you would want taking care of your kids, yeah. not driven away by regulation, um, is it really, I mean, I think recognizing the importance of cooperative preschools and how great it is to have parents volunteer in the classroom, is it really, are we really making kids safer if we substitute out a parent for, you know, someone that the parent doesn't know? I, I would right. think that, right. our, you know, a lot of the problems that we see with preschools or daycares, actually more daycares than preschools, are because parents don't know what's happening. And so in cooperative preschools right. where you always have one parent there, that's, you know, you will, you will know exactly what sort of situation your child is being put in. And so if you, you know, and parents have the strongest incentive to see if something is unsafe, yeah. they will speak up. Um, aside from, you know, parents' so parental involvement being associated with better behavior and educational outcomes. And so there are just a myriad of yeah. reasons why these regulations, while you could see that they're well-intentioned, could have so many counterproductive outcomes if they are applied to cooperative preschools. So two things, um, you know, I want to talk, I want you to comment a little bit on, you know, let's talk about how prices are going to increase um, for a daycare if you only employ college educated people. Right now, uh, many daycares, um, you know, and, and, and DC before this regulation was passed and it was passed, um, employed people who were not college educated. And so these people might have been okay with a lower paying job. But once you get a, a college education, you know, you have a, a degree in, in, in child development, you're going to expect a higher wage. And obviously employers, in order to attract these people, because now they need to find people with a college education, they're going to have to. So this is only going to increase the cost for the parents. Um, you know, speak a little bit about that. And, and honestly, do we really think these people are going to give a higher level of, of care um, for the job requirement? They are not I, in, in, we need to make a distinction here in 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 daycare and in, in many preschools they're not they're not teaching calculus here okay these are not advanced educational programs okay um and so do we really need people with a high level of education to do a job that doesn't require that and how will that affect 
parents who, you know, ultimately have enrolled their children, you're going to have to increase costs. Yeah, precisely for the reason you outlined, this definitely will increase costs. The, the college education requirement or, you know, require basically not allowing parents to volunteers in cooperative preschools. They're both regulations that will increase the cost of preschool. And, um, and it's particularly concerning in the D.C. area where I, I was reading an article just today that I think it was around some $22,000 on average to send your kid uh, to daycare, oh. um, consuming like 80% of the average worker's income. 80%. Um, and so it, it, I, I would have to, you know, look at the article to quote the exact statistics, but that was close to the order of magnitude. And uh, this could actually drive, particularly women, often out of work if it, it no longer becomes cost justified for them to work. Um, with respect to the cooperative preschool regulation that Virginia has proposed, the, um, it's, I guess, a, I don't know if it's a quirk in Virginia law, but the, um, any regulation this regulation had to be um, vetted by the Department, Virginia Department of Planning and Budget for an economic impact analysis. Yeah. And Department of Planning and Budget actually found that the increased training requirement was not driven by any identified deficiency in the current standards and that the proposed changes, uh, are going, the costs of them are going to are likely to far outweigh the um, convenience of having one standard for all licensees. So even right. the Department right. uh, of Planning and budget said that this regulation, you haven't basically wow. identified a good reason why there's a deficiency in the current training and the costs, wow. you know, are not, the costs are not justified. Um, and yet it appears, and we will see, we'll find out on August 15th when um, the state board of social services has their meetings decide whether or not to adopt the proposed regulation. But by all indications in terms of, I've, I've been working with my local representatives on this issue, it appears that they're plowing ahead despite the concerns that cooperative preschools have raised with continuing on to adopt them. Look, I, I you know, I really encourage people, if you have kids in daycare or preschools and, 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 and could be affected by this, I mean, you know, as Kristen said, 30 hours. 30 hours, you can take a week off. You know, I really encourage people to think about this and talk to your daycare and, and, and see how this regulation is going to affect them. Look, we're going to see, we are going to see between, you know, DC's, um, and there's a lot of people, you know, look, Chris and I live in Northern Virginia and there's a lot of people who actually put their kids in a DC daycare because, you know, they, they work in DC and they want to be close to their kids. So, between the I need a college education to work in a daycare and these kinds of regulations that are happening in Virginia, it really will put a lot of daycares under. And again, look, let's face it, this is going to affect women much more than men. This is this is a, a, a very clearly a woman's issue, a woman's concern. You know, I, I, Kristen, I really appreciate you joining us today to talk about this issue. I think this is just so troubling, so upsetting to me. I know that a lot of the women, I also think it robs um, women who, who don't have higher education, who, who might have a high school education, and this is an opportunity for them to really create a career, maybe even start their own business. It, it is so distressing to me to think that we are robbing these women of these opportunities because of the silly regulation that will not in any way improve the lives of children. Uh, that are, are using daycare or preschool. So um, I really appreciate you coming on and explaining this to us. Thank you so much. I mean, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to discuss this issue and how it might affect uh, our family and the other families like us in Virginia. It's so critical. It's a really important issue. And uh, to those listening, um, 
please share this this broadcast. Please sh- uh, share this podcast and rate us. Um, we are, are really thrilled to, to hear your feedback. And again, uh, Chris and Shapiro, thank you so much for joining us. I, I do want to just take a, a, a quick two minutes. If you could just explain, Chris is really just a, 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 an amazing, amazing uh, visiting fellow for us. She's proposed. It's sort of similar. It's sort of I, it's it's connected to this issue. She's proposed a wonderful paid leave program. Um, Chris, could you just give our, our listeners and, and listen on IWF.org? There's a lot more information on this, but I just want Kristen to give uh, to have two minutes to explain, just to give a brief synopsis of the proposal that she's suggested for paid leave. Thank you. Well, um, so this is, you know, as, as most people listening to this probably know, there's no federal program for paid parental leave right now. Um, some people look at that and think that's great. There shouldn't be one. Um, but a lot of people it's, it's, um, think that that's a problem. And it's very, the idea of having some federal program is very popular amongst Republicans and Democrats. The um, only real current proposal that has legislation that's been introduced is the Family Act, which is your traditional Entitlement, which, you know, increases taxes, increases government spending to provide a benefit. My idea for parental leave um, does not require a new tax. It's just a a budget neutral position uh, program where you just allow new parents the option of collecting early Social Security benefits for 12 weeks after the birth or the arrival of their child. And in return, they agree to defer the collection of their retirement benefits um, by the period of time necessary to offset the cost. Uh, the actuaries, it seems, well, it'll be between 12 and 24 weeks. So um, uh, I think a lot of new parents would love to have this option, uh, you know, to make a parental leave affordable. They could, you know, I, I know for myself, I could, I could care less whether I retire at 62 or 62 in 12 weeks, but I care a lot <laughs> about whether or not I get to spend 12 weeks with my newborn, uh, you know, after yes. after. My two kids have come, and I think a lot of parents would be in the same boat. I think this is a way to modernize Social Security uh, and our entitlements without increasing the size of an entitlement program or government spending. It's a really fascinating proposal. We, we, I, I just want to add, we've gotten a lot of interest from the Hill and, and from, uh, from the White House. Kristen, just give us a quick update. It is, it is uh, being proposed in the Senate, correct? So um, my understanding uh, is, so the Senate did hold a hearing on this idea, um, as well as the Family Act a few weeks ago. Uh, I believe it was spurred by, you know, the fact that Republicans saw that, wow, there's, you know, actually a conservative proposal out there for parental (laughs) leave, and they wanted to address it. Um, And my understanding is, is that we might see legislation being introduced any day now in the Senate um, or the House, uh, you know, based on the IWF proposal. Well, listen, I spent eight years up on Capitol Hill. I worked for a variety of members. I brought interesting ideas to my uh, senator and House members and said, we should really, like, you know, we should pursue this. And not one of them took my idea and turned it into legislation. So I have to say that I am totally in awe of this. Um, I have total respect for the the idea that you crafted, you created, and you worked on it. And, uh, And I know IWF has been a huge supporter of this idea um, we're, we're just, I, I think this is so innovative. It's so interesting. Um, and I really, I really think that, um, that this is the future of paid leave for the United States. And again, budget neutral does not create a, a new entitlement program. It's very exciting. Listen, you have been a great guest. I'm so glad that you joined me today to talk about this issue. This is, again, this is an inherently women's issue. Women do a lot of the sort of family, the, the family daycare planning, 
um, and caring for the kids. You know, I work from home, so I sort of work and care for the kids. This is something that's very interesting to me. Uh, thank you so much uh, for spending time with us today. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, Julie. Well, this has been another edition of IWS Working for Women podcast. For uh, those who listen, thank you for your time. Please come and learn more and consider making a donation to support our work at IWF.org. And please visit IWF.org where all issues are women's issues. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by IWF.org for similar content.